Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner, and BizSimply is the all-in-one HR workforce management rotor operation software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Yeah, the female element of it mm. here, uh, <laughs> one of our uh, investors said this wouldn't happen if you were men. Um, and I think there is something in that, the feminine energy that, that mm. we bring to this is very different to a model of the alpha out front. I will dive off the cliff first. You will all follow me. There is a singular direction. Actually, there's a collective of, of ideas that make Baloo great. I love all the conversation I have here in the podcast, but a couple of days ago, I did this interview with two Mavericks, Natalie Campbell, MBE, and Charlotte Harrington, and they are both co-CEOs of Baloo. And that is a company that is changing the game when it comes to be a force for good. And their primary focus is they are supply of water to the hospitality industry. I went away from that conversation inspired and really believing there is great times ahead because if we can just create more companies like this, we are on a really healthy path to build an industry that will not just thrive but also make massive impact. So in this episode, we delve into Baloo's fascinating journey and explore how Natalie and Charlotte became involved in this incredible venture. We also talk about the core challenges Baloo helps operators tackle within the hospitality sector and how their unique business model drives social and environmental impact while maintaining strong profitability at the heart of what they do. Additionally, we also explore the power of collaboration between many of Baloo's partners and we shed a light especially on the relationship they have with water aid across the world. We also take a deep dive into something I think that will inspire a lot of you out there. How can you actually create a situation where you have not just one CEO, but two CEOs? And Natalie and Charlotte offers a glimpse into how that collaborative leadership approach really have helped them driving the business forward. They shine a light on how they have helped them navigating responsibility, making better decision, ensuring alignment, between Baloo's purpose and values in every step of the way, both when it comes to how they lead themselves and lead the organization. If you liked today's episode, it will mean a world to me if you can leave a review of the show on either on our website, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The better the views, the better the guests and ultimately, the better the learning is for you. So now I would say grab your favorite beverage Settle in, grab the notebook, and enjoy lots of great nuggets on how you build a business that will make not just 
great results, but also massive impact. Well, it's not every day you are in the company of co-CEOs and at the same time talking about business as a force for good, which is a deep passion of mine and the whole purpose about the podcast. So I was so excited when uh, Baloo reached out and said, can we have a chat about the, the work we're doing? And I knew exactly what it was. I knew it was these water bottles I've seen in, in restaurants, but I actually didn't know myself the real purpose and the social mission behind. So this is what we're going to you know, unwrap today with uh, Charlotte and Natalie. And uh, I'm super excited to, to have you here. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Yeah, and we're meeting in real world, in person, which often after the pandemic have not been the first choice. No, but I mean, as uh, you know, the hospitality industry, the key thing is connections and seeing people looking in the whites of their eyes. So it's really important. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, that's what I did before the, the pandemic, as I told you. So for people out there that was a bit like me that said, oh, well, I know what it is, but I'm not 100% sure. Can you talk a bit about like your your respective backgrounds and Baloo, and then we can dive a bit into why you're involved and how the whole co-CEO thing works. But one one thing at a time, bit of context, what is Baloo and, and what is your journey into it? Sure. Uh, so Baloo um, was founded um, in 2007. It's a business that was founded on the basis that there was a better way to do business and that through doing business, you could effectively help some, solve some of the problems. We happen to be in water, but in theory, this could be any business mm. product um, or service. And it's just about the how we go about doing things that differentiates us from, from kind of standard businesses. Why did you end on water then? You said you can be in any business because the purpose in principle is so strong and deep. I think the passion was for um, supporting water projects across the world. So that's why that product category was chosen. But also to uh, Reed Paget, who was the founder of Baloo, he was, I would say, there was a vexation at going into hospitality and seeing imported mm. water. And he saw it as a category that was ripe for disruption. Yeah. So the alignment with solving um, water poverty and then also this imported product that didn't need to be on the table, the two things um, collided and, and Baloo was born. And and let's start with you, Charlotte. How, how did you get involved with Baloo? Because there was a founder yeah. originally, and I guess he's still in the in the shadows or... No. No, nope. he hasn't been involved for, for many, many years. So I've, I mean, he's never been involved since I've been in the business. Mm. And I joined back in 2015, mm. going back a while. Um, and um, at that point, the team was a team of about four people. Mm. Um, we were trying to figure out how do we scale from that point. Um, and I joined having had a background of 15 years in, in retail and myself had been looking for a new opportunity. Didn't mm. you know what? Um, knew I didn't want to stay in sort of big traditional business. Knew that I couldn't go to charity because I would find that too too bureaucratic. Um, and sort of happened upon this brilliant business, Baloo, that again, you know, I kind of recognised but didn't understand the, the sort of the nuance, I guess, within mm. the business model. Um, and the more I found out, the more I... Um, <clears throat> the more I um, I was curious, actually, as to how does a commercial business operate to then deliver more than just shareholder value. Um, and that's really what interested me. 
Mm-hmm. And then my journey is is very similar, um, just minus the corporate background. So I knew Reed as the founder of Blue. I knew the product. Um, I knew the impact. I knew that um, over time when the, the new CEO came in, that all profits went to WaterAid. And I was looking for an opportunity that married you know, commercial rigor with purpose. And there aren't many businesses, or there weren't many businesses, um, you know, back in the early 2000s or or when I started looking in um, sort of 2018, that did both. It was either a charity or it was a commercial business, possibly giving a percentage of profits away. So I saw the opportunity, knew the brand, applied, Charlotte interviewed me. Mm-hmm. Um and so at the time, Charlotte was the COO of the business. Yeah. Um, and it was, a, it, we had a, a great conversation. And what we realized in that conversation is there was so much potential for Baloo to go even further. Uh, Baloo was successful, six million turnover, a million pounds a year to WaterAid. And so it was like, okay, well, what's the magic here? Where Where can we go? And I joined on the 2nd of March, 2020, and we went into lockdown three weeks later. So a baptism of fire for both of us. And we're not going to talk about the pandemic. I promise the audience we're we're not diving into that anymore. Um, So talk to me a bit about, you know, um, what is the the big problem you're solving? What is the business model? Because we can, it's not a a social enterprise, a charity, as you said, Charlotte. We We are a social enterprise. So yeah, our social media, but there is a deep, deep commercial model Absolutely. that works to fuel the funding. Let me twist that around because that's what I think is really interesting is that actually you just said you made, uh, I think, was it a 25, 20 to 25% profit in that year where you did 6 million in turnover. Oh, and a million pounds. Million, trade, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's super interesting mm. because like many businesses would love that kind of net figure mm-hmm. on the bottom. So talk a bit about the model and how it works and how it actually ends up with making so much positive impact. I don't know which one, who of you wants to jump so, on that. Um, so, I mean, first and foremost, we're a commercial business and and we operate in that way. It's just that what we do with profits is is the is the differentiator. So everything that we do, you know, we partner with people to do manufacturing. They are long term partnerships. We pay them the going rate. You know, mm-hmm. we we operate and negotiate in the same way that any commercial business would would do. Um, and I think what's different now, probably to when we were at the six million pounds, giving a million to War Trade, is that we are investing to grow. Mm-hmm. So historically, we ran a really lean team. And actually, what was great about that was the end profitability position. But what wasn't great about that is that you couldn't get it to be any bigger than it already was. So Mm. we were in a sort of stalemate position. And we ran at about five, six million pounds for a number of years. Um, But it, it feels now that this business is ripe for growth. And to enable that growth, we have to invest more, grow the team, have an office for people to operate from, invest in raising our brand awareness, bring new products to market, enter new market, all of those sorts of things that ultimately will in the long term deliver that kind of strategic growth that we're looking for, but also enable us to deliver significantly more positive impact in the world. And that's the focus. And then for the hospitality folks, what we're delivering is a drink service. Hmm. So every single hospitality venue, unless it's quirky, 
offers a drink service. Yeah. Be it water, soft drinks, alcoholic beverages, you know, whatever it is. So we have come into the market primarily um with the original founder in mineral water because that was the problem he was trying to solve at the more at the at that time, specifically imported water, removing that from the mm. market. Over time and where we are now is that we are trying to disrupt the drinks industry more broadly. Mm. Um, you don't need imported soft drinks at all. Um, so we've got mineral water, we have tonics and mixers, but the big innovation or the big growth opportunity is filtration. So offering still mm. sparkling water um, that is filtered. So you're still offering a best-in-class water service for your customers, Um but it's in a sustainable option that um, can be reused. And the journey on, on for that started before I joined. The difference was post-pandemic, more businesses understood the conversation about sustainability. They understood our story about purpose. They understood that we were a business that wanted to do things differently and partner in a completely different way um, to offer customers something that Generally, as soon as you walk into somewhere, you say, yeah, can I have a glass of water? Yeah, because I think that's really interesting innovation because we have the bottles in front of us today. That's typical what I've seen. But that thing about that actually you have, like, as I understand, is you have a tap mm -hmm. and then it's blue water that's coming through that tap and you are serving that in reusable yeah. Caraffles or yeah. bottles, and they'll, or... they'll be they can be branded for the venue. They mm. they might say Baloo, and the the key thing for the end customer and and um, operators is that as opposed to just get you know plonking a jug on a table, you are giving them a whole experience. When you no matter which bottle they get, there is a story in the back of the bottle that mm. says this is the difference you are making. By drinking this, someone, someone somewhere else in the world is getting access to clean water. Someone somewhere else, some in the world, has access to a decent toilet. They have access to good hygiene. These, you know, all of the key things that we take for granted every single day when we look at a glass of water. The privilege that we have every single day when we, you know, drink a glass of water that is not afforded to billions mm. of people around the world. Yeah, and we forget that sometimes. I was reminding myself as I was looking at your website and your materials that actually, you know, we have huge issues around that and yeah. probably how the world is and climate change is going to be. But talk a bit about, you know, the the purpose, the the social mission. What is it that, okay, you make, you make solid profit, you invest that into innovation to put more product, to make more impact. But war, where where is making impact? What does that mean? Where does it happen? Yeah. As a consumer, if I go in and see your brand there, I know I pay maybe a bit higher price. I don't know, but you might or maybe not. But then where where do I see my money go? Yeah. So I think this is a really important point for us to make. If you If you buy bargain basement, you don't get any impact. Hmm. Um, we need margin to deliver the mission. Yeah. And so the purpose of Baloo is to change the way the world sees water. Mm -hmm. There's a clear alignment between the product and our purpose. What that looks like day to day is us innovating the actual product proposition. So all of our products, um, the mineral water bottle is made in the UK. And it says, if people look at the bottle, uh, UK made ethical glass. So it's made in Chester, um, our source is on the Welsh-English border. Um, you are not getting an imported product. 
on the filtration side, it's the innovation of moving out of the single use, even though the bottle's lightweight, it made it made here out of single use into reuse. Um, and on tonics and mixers, we've gone for green glass, which is the highest amount of recycled content you can get into a into a, a glass bottle. We then um, invest all of our profit in our purpose. So the net goes to water aid. But before we even get to that net position, we invest in uh, water stewardship projects, um, river restoration, again, things that are aligned to our product. We've started a new partnership with um, Blue Marine, so looking at ocean conservation. So doing things as a brand that we could do if we were a charity or we could do if we were a, a wealthy philanthropist, but actually using the medium of business, we're showing that other businesses can follow suit. And it's not just about taking from society. You can put money back into society to, A, ensure that we have a planet to continue to live on, but B, to stand for more than pure profit for profit's sake. Hmm. Can you talk a bit about the, the typical operator that mm. get involved with you? Because again, I I, I get I don't see it as no retail facing. This is mm. hospitality focused delivery mm. of the service. We'll talk a bit about the typical operator, what benefits they see and what uh, they expect to get out of it. Sure. I mean, I think the good thing for us is we have a really broad range of hospitality um, partners. Um, and over the years, it's 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 changed. But we're in casual dining groups. We're in you know uh, restaurants with Michelin star. When groups like the Pig, there's you know there is a huge huge range. Generally, people align to us because they certainly more recently are independently run. Um, they you know they care about the provenance of the ingredients. They they get what we stand for. Quite often, when people move between operators, they take us with them. They know our service is good. They know the product is good, and actually, there is a trust within I think the brand mm. and what we stand for that means that we appeal to we you know we can appeal to everybody. And I think for them, what they get is you know a best in class um product as as Nat said. And when it's the, you know, mineral water, often it can be moving away from, say, the imported brands. If it's filtration, it's about supporting them and figuring out where in their business can they offer filtration because it might not be right in every instance. So front of house, they may want to stay with mineral water, but back of house for their staff, perhaps they want to introduce reusable bottles for their staff to carry around. And that's where filtration can come in. So for us, it's about working with them to understand actually what are their sort of touch points across their business and what makes sense to them. And then commercially, how do they want to monetize it or do they even want to monetize mm. it? So in some instances, people want to offer chilled, still sparkling water at the table as guests arrive and not charge for it. Mm. What they might choose to do, however, is add a contribution and that contribution comes to Baloo and that they're happy to do, but they actually don't want their guests to feel that it's an added an added cost to the to the price of the meal. And that's what we have to work with them to understand is what's what's that journey, what's that customer experience going to be? And therefore what in the portfolio products that we offer makes most sense for for them. And I would add to that, um, you know, we have wonderful customers. So Bruto, single site, glorious food, all about the experience, offering um still and sparkling water, best in class. You know, table service through to JKS, larger growing group, 
um, best in class table service as well, but a very different model when you walk in, you know, multiple sites, multiple brands under one group. So from an operator perspective, if I, if we take it back to what we were saying in the beginning, we offer a drink service. Mm. The operators then work out what sort of service they want to offer and then you know, look at our products um, accordingly. And the best thing I would say about us as a business is because we are independent and independently owned, we're flexible. Mm. We get the challenges of you know, running the day to day. And so it's not just a, this is, this is it. You know, take it or leave it. It's let's have a conversation. Let's go on a journey together, um, and let's create um, a drinks proposition for you that isn't just for today, but ensures you deliver your business goals over the long term. And for some businesses, you know, let's let's be honest. Water has a a, a profit um, a line against it. Mm. So, what does that look like? What does it mean? Um, what do you want the guest experience to be? We have that conversation. I love to work with the team over at Bissimple because they are always striving to get better. 1% better every day. So I had to share this with you because Bissimple have launched a new blogcast which highlights some of their favorite hospitality maverick podcast episodes over time. And if you're new or hardcore super fan of the show, this is a perfect opportunity to catch up with some of the standout episodes from our massive back catalog. The Bissimple team has and will be extensively transcribing interesting moments from each episode while providing some new insights on our brilliant guest, the Mavericks. There's already some great write-ups with Mavericks like Chef Chantel Nicholson, and the co-founder of Singerman's Community of Businesses, Ari Weinschwein. Find them at thissimply.com slash blog and click Blogcast on the right side menu. Enjoy. Do you see any feedback from the operator's customers where they go in and they actually get excited that the operator isn't you know, involved in making impact on some kind of scale. Absolutely. World Water Day is our internal Christmas. Mm. Um, World Water Day is towards the end of March. And for the customers that we talk about as being in the Baloo Collective, they share lots of assets. They talk about the collective contribution that we've given to WaterAid in that year. Um, they share it with uh, guests and um, people that are coming to dine. And it does create a buzz. I think people want to know now that they're walking into somewhere that cares. They want to know that the ingredients on their plate have provenance. They want to know that they are not you know, destroying the planet just by trying to go out and have a, a decent meal. And um, what about the, you know, if you go back to the commercials, what happens with the operators' commercials, do they improve when you get involved and how have you seen it or has it primarily been driven by, I want to do good as an operator, that's important to me? I think usually it's a combination of both, mm. both actually. So I think they do genuinely want to do good. I think if they, you mm. know, if they come to us, that's, that's you know, primarily why they've chosen to, to reach out. Um, and I think for them, if they're moving away from mineral water, there can be commercial benefits um, to moving to filtration um, because, you know, they, they, they save space. It's easier to, you know, they don't need to store it. They don't need to handle it as much. So there are definitely 
cost-saving potential for them. Um, and time-saving. And time-saving, yeah, 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 mm. yeah. yeah. Um, so so I think it, it is definitely a bit of both for them. Um, and again, working with us to figure out actually what makes sense and where does it make sense and should we start with a trial and one site and then roll out. And So actually for us, it's always about innovating with them and sort of taking a test and learn approach so that we learn as well as well as they them learning and the the other benefit is you know when you work with other drinks brands they'll give you some umbrellas and they might give you some beer mm. mats with us you're going to get some impact information so you're going to understand your carbon saving you're going to understand um you know that monies have gone to water aid and this is the difference it's making around the world uh you'll get visuals that help take a customer on, on a journey. Mm. So I think it does go back to what does an operator value? Do they want to share more of their wider purpose if they have a purpose, um, both internally with their teams and with the customers, or do they want sort of the pure hospitality, just, you know, give me a drink type offer? Yeah, that's very interesting as I was looking to your website, I saw you have these customer tools and I got very inspired to another venture I'm part. I thought, okay, this is great. Because again, how do you bring the front line to talk about what you guys are doing with the water or any kind of purpose activation that an operator is involved in? Because I, I totally agree with you. I think we are at a tipping point where people going to start asking these questions. And I hear that from people they are talking about provenance, where's the meat from? Is there any ultra processed in, in these products, uh, any additives, so on and so on. So definitely see the move is there and helping these operators, giving them the tool to communicate these these benefits is, is a really, really great thing. And training. We come in and yeah. we do training. So for the you know teams, we talk about A, how to make the machines work, <laughs> but most importantly, B, like purpose. What does this mean? Not just the, the water aid impact, but the carbon carbon savings, which for any operator, that's that's CPD. That's mm. stuff that helps your teams feel invested mm. in a business that's doing good. So we have a full wraparound package, which you don't necessarily get with other drinks suppliers because the drink suppliers are just talking about, you know, this makes a great cocktail or maybe the flavorings. That's all fine. For us, it's what's the difference? What's the real difference? And it is that engagement that operators quite often want with their teams or for mm. their teams so that their teams, you know, they care about the products that they are putting out in front of a guest. They they understand the water as much as they do, the provenance of the meat and, you know, mm. what, what ingredients go into the, the dishes. I think they want to, their their team and their teams expect, actually, bigger businesses certainly, to, to have chosen their suppliers carefully and to consider what else they they stand for and 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 how does that then align with their say broader their broader mission and and purpose and objectives and i guess that the bottle is the we didn't touch on that before we're just thinking is one of the most sustainable ways to deliver water glass still um, people would say is it plastic or glass so from a carbon footprint perspective an r pet bottle so 100% recycled material and 100% recyclable is the best option. Mm. It has the lowest carbon footprint. Yeah. When someone tells you otherwise, just look at the data. Yeah. From a dining perspective, experience, yeah. the experience, this glass bottle specifically is lightweight, it's UK made, it's not being shipped from somewhere overseas, mm. brought here, filled, you know, at a certain weight. So this is the most um, 
uh, environmental option out there if you wanted to remove even more emissions and remove the single use element although when this is now challenged because we look we um tested being able to reuse these bottles too so we can reuse them um then you'd move to filtration which then removes the logistical operations of deliveries coming in and out so there's a carbon saving there so it's a scale of where do you want to get to um because there are savings in in multiple ways um from a you know there's nothing that's delivered any business without you know the right team the right way of thinking and organization can you you maybe talk a bit about the way you've decided to structure the organization and one of the the big things that's very visible is that you two CEOs we can go into that but also that you know how how are you thinking from a you know you already mentioned no no we 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 are commercial but we have a social enterprise governance structure mm-hmm. talk a bit about like the choices you made and you know the benefits it's given you Do you want to talk about how co came back yeah off? um so post pandemic and we the pandemic is important here um so joining you know three weeks in the business pretty much flatlines and disappears neither charlotte or i panicked the first position was well how do we ensure blue is here in the next 10 and we went on a journey together but also with the team of just saying what if and we asked we were asking what if in multiple ways at the product at the operating model and also the team um and uh charlotte as coo and this is really important absolutely knew more about below than i did like there was no point in me trying to um alpha my way through decision making charlotte knew more about the business than i did and in terms of growing the light bulb moment was well we're co-founding the next phase of this business so mm. we, we did a 10-year strategy we are doing that together we are co-creating this why would we not be co-ceos um and so i shared that with charlotte and i think she looked at me rather perplexed uh but we said let's let's live with it let's try it let's not tell anyone but let's just operate that way between ourselves and let's put some things in place that mean means that we're both supported uh and if you know it doesn't work and we need to mediate you know how how would we do that and we've been going on uh i guess a, a happy dance ever since and we we had to take it to the board we took it to the board they said you know why would you want to demote yourself had to explain this is not a demotion um this is about us going further faster together because people do think well this is this is slightly odd mm. but what they couldn't see but i think they now do see because we're seeing more co-co relationships is you've got two heads at the top of the business there's no bottleneck and we have complementary skill sets we are low ego high confidence so we're not trying to jump into each other's space and um you know out compete each other um sometimes we can finish each other's sentences and because we have absolute alignment on the purpose we can make decisions together very quickly because we know where we're going and there is such a joy in that because leadership is lonely mm it is very lonely um a practical thing is holiday 
when we're on holiday, yeah. you can be on holiday because mm. someone else has got it. Someone else has got your back. Someone else is, you know, holding the reins of of the business. So everyone benefits. I don't know if you want to yeah. show your. No, I mean, I think, I th- and I think the reason that we're, you know, it's been a few years mm-hmm. and we've got to this point is that we did put in quite a lot of energy and and thought into the foundations of what would make it successful and what wouldn't make it successful actually so mm. we were really honest we had to be quite vulnerable we had to talk about you know what are our red lines what happens on a bad day we're in our shadow sides what might that look like so that actually we could then finish each other's sentences. We could really understand what's going on in the other person's world that would influence their decision-making and how they might show up. And and I think over time, I mean, it's a bit like a marriage. You kind of get to know people to a point where it just becomes second nature. And there mm. is no, oh, but that's my bit and, you know, you've made that decision. Or it, It's just so natural now. And I think the real, for me, the real um, proof point was when we asked our senior leadership team to give some anonymous feedback mm. to a facilitator at an away day that we ran. And um, we wanted them to have complete freedom to say whatever it was, because actually if it wasn't working, you know, we're an incredibly transparent business. We w- we want, you know, the, the, the leadership to be exactly the same. Um, we would change it. That's the beauty of working in a small business. We can just change things. Um, and it was incredible the feedback we got. And that, you know, there were no, there was no bottleneck. There was no uncertainty as to who to go to. They could see that we really did complement one another. And actually, more than anything, they believed that we would get to where we were trying to get to, albeit it's incredibly ambitious. Mm. And, you know, it is it is really, uh, you know, uh, going to be some feat if we get there, but we'll only do it with us leading and the team fully behind that and fully supportive and the culture of the business in the right place. And I think that's what we've really focused on in the last three years is is getting to a place where we had those really strong foundations to enable us to go faster. And then when things get tough, to keep going, not to not to find that that's when it, it flounders. And you can keep going because you've got backup. Yeah. Um, and so some people might be thinking, is it a job share? We both work full time. Mm. Um, we have different portfolios within the business. So there are some things that are always a joint decision. Uh, but Charlotte um, focuses on filtration, growth, international. My role for a, for a long period of time, just because I was trying to understand what the business did, was recovery. Uh, you know, touch wood, we're out of um, needing uh, that now. And a focus on drinks. Um, the UK... I focused on people. Charlotte focuses on finance and we still have that split. But we both look at processes. We both look at systems. We both operationally look at bits of the business and we can both deep dive and jump into bits of the business too. We swap how we line manage our senior leadership team. So I started line managing the majority. Uh, Then Charlotte managed the majority. And it's almost probably every year to 18 months we Mm. we switch. and so we both get different bits of exposure. Uh, the joy for me, so I think there have been two moments when I was like, this really works, is, again, going back to the pandemic, I had just moved. I was, it was lockdown number three or just the one that was in January. It was just horrid. Um, and I messaged the team and I just said, look, I, I'm going to be discombobulated because I have no idea what's going on. And the thought of not seeing anyone for three months is just filling me with dread. And the whole team said, we've got your back. And then we had a um, a senior leadership team meeting. I think it might have been a board meeting as well. And someone was talking 
And I was plotting through ideas in my head to me silently, but Charlotte could see that I had all of these ideas and the agenda moved on and I didn't say them. She was like, what were you going to say? And I was like, oh, how did you know I was going to say something? She was like, I could see, she can see my working out. Um, And again, there's so much fun in that. And for people that are doing this alone, sometimes your leadership team won't step in and say to the boss, what were you going to say? Mm. they will just continue to move on. But because there are two of us, we can look at what we're both doing in any given moment. If we're in a meeting, I'll be looking at Charlotte and saying, she's not, she's not buying this at all. <laughs> we need to change Shaq. Um, so yeah, it's, there's, a lot, there's a lot more joy in the day job. I mean, we are employed. We are not co-founders of, of Baloo. Mm. But there is, there is a joy in having a job where you can show up and you can 100% be yourself. There's a couple of things I want to just touch on. The first one is that you talk about this vision. And one of the things I've learned, well, we did a piece in the, we were back in the pandemic, where we went in and said, what are the six tenets of maverick leaders? And one of them was absolutely clarity of purpose and direction. Mm-hmm. So that means that you have a plus five to 20 year vision about where is this going and what kind of impact besides profit is going to happen. And it's a very detailed description. In there, and I had a podcast with Ari from Singerman talking about that. So we're not going to dive into theory there, but can you just just give the audience a bit of a slice of what does Baloo look like in ten years' time? So, I mean, we've already said you know our purpose is to change the way the world sees water, and more than anything, we need to figure out how we really bring that to life. Mm. So we're already aligned with Water Aid um, until twenty thirty. Um, we have the UN Sustainable Development Goals written into our articles. Um, we're focused always on our, our kind of, we call it our four P's framework. So it's really important for us that everything that we do is around our purpose. We then think about our people and that's both our internal people, but also the people that we deliver social impact to, or, Mm -hmm. you know, that facilitate that the money's being passed to them. We then got our products and then we have our profit. And, and actually in that order, it makes a beautiful, um, circular model that means that we can go anywhere and do anything. Mm. And I guess in the co-founding piece of the next 10 years that we alluded to, for us, this is about going, we call it our go big plan. And ultimately, it's scaling the business. It's Mm. scaling the business so that we operate in multiple territories, Mm. not exporting our bottled water. Mm -hmm. So we won't ever do that because it creates an unnecessary footprint. But for example, our filtration systems could enable other countries to move away from from single-use mm. products. We tr- started trialing that in Hong Kong, um, and that has been a really successful trial. And we're now looking at another city to add on to that. And we are taking a sort of city-based approach. Um, so that's one part of it. But actually, there's a huge opportunity in the UK market. We know that quite mm. often, as you said to us at the beginning, people know Baloo. And when they see the bottle, they they immediately say, yes, I know that but they don't know what we stand for. Mm. So what we really want to get to is a point where people understand the moment someone says below what it is we stand for. Because for us, being a purpose-led business that then becomes a household name, mm. I think would really be that, that, that recognition, I suppose, that we are a business, but actually we're a business doing things differently. And that in doing that, we can enable lives around the world to be transformed. We can support river restoration. We can support marine conservation. We can do all of these things and deliver the most amazing water service to, to hospitality um, venues across the world. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that was beautiful. I, I was nodding like... That was quite good, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say. <laughs> um, so, 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 so again, it comes from that clarity that you can actually do the, the co-CEO. And then you talked about something that has been up a couple of times on the, the podcast. You talk about ego. You talk about low ego. You had a, a concept for it. How do you make sure? Because as human, we all have egos, you know, more or less, and needs to be managed in a way. You need to be very aware about your ego and because sometimes you even don't know you are stepping on the other one. So how do you do that? How do you manage each other's ego? How do you manage your own ego? So I'm going to do the philosophical bit just very Mm -hmm. quickly. Mm. So ego only arises in certain situations. Mm -hmm. And when you remove the ability for those situations to arise, you don't have a spike in in ego, either id or otherwise. Um, and so going back to what Charlotte was saying, creating a framework at the outset around who are you on your worst day? What's your shadow side? What are the red lines? What are the trigger points? What's going on at home for you? We know who, who, who we are. Um, and therefore... If one of us is in shadow side and it appears, the other one doesn't take it personally mm. because you, it's not about me. It's not about you or vi- you know vice versa. It's something else. And so the other person, the other co needs to take a step back and say, are you okay? Or what's going on? Mm. Just to understand you know, context. And maybe that means you don't have the meeting. You just spend time having a, a chat or you come back to something tomorrow. The other bit is honesty. I think ego shows up when people feel like they could be cheated or deceived or they've they've got to be on the back foot because there's a game. We don't have to have time to play a game. We're both adults with stuff to do. Mm. Um and and as it, from from a business perspective, we have a very clear purpose. So ego doesn't show up in in that space either. We both have very different lives. So and and skill sets. So we're not grappling, looking at each other's lives, going, I want, I want that, or I, I want that. I sometimes want um, Charlotte's shoes. Uh, <laughs> I have actually bought um, her, her trainers. Um, so yeah, that, that contains the, the ego from a very practical sense. I would also add, um, you know, the female element of it mm. here. Uh, <laughs> one of our uh, investors said this wouldn't happen if you were men. Um, and I think there is something in that, the feminine energy that, that mm. we bring mm. to this is very different to a model of the alpha, out front, I will dive off the cliff first, you will all follow me, there is a singular direction. Actually, there's a collective of, of ideas that make Baloo great. Um, you know, We use the word co-design, uh, collective, co-CEOs, it's a co-production. And so to think, Leading a business that's going to be around in the next ten years can be anything other than that. I think is is short sighted because you won't you won't be here. You won't get people working for you because you will suddenly become an outdated model of what leadership is. Because there'll be all of these other models of organisations thriving under a leadership that is far more equitable. And we're seeing it at the National Theatre. They have co CEOs, mm-hmm. Thames Water. Operating under an interim co-CEO option. Um, there's a couple of others that I, we always um, sort of reference, but I've I've forgotten. But it's becoming more common. 
you want to add anything? Charlotte? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's a you know there's a real importance of you knowing yourself as well. Mm-hmm. I think self awareness people talk about a lot, but do they actually know themselves? Do they really know what happens? So I think you have to go on a journey yourself to get to a point where you can operate in a very different leadership model um, and one that has, you know, you've not necessarily mm. seen yourself and experienced yourself. So you are you are trying to figure out how do you make this work? But I think neither of us feel threatened. And I think that's generally when ego comes up. Neither of us think we need to have the answer. If we don't know, we don't know. You know, that that's okay. Mm. Um, and I think we empower our teams because of that. And it is all about collaboration and co-design. And therefore, why do we need to compete? I think that there is just a, there's just no, there's no hidden agenda here. There is no politics going on in the business. That that there's none of that that you tend to see in big businesses that means that people are competing to try and get the next rung up or that there's none of that happening here. And and actually we are genuinely aligned behind where we're trying to get to. And the only way we can do that is to focus on that and nothing else. Um, and I think we are, you know, we are quite lucky because we have a really strong set of values, which we call our DNA, and we use that to guide our decision making. And so when things do get tough, you go back to those and you say, but what would we do under, you know, in that guise, what should we be doing? And therefore that takes any heat out of it. Um, and it just, it is just second nature now. So I, for me, it's not the ego point and the, you know, the high confidence. Yes, we are both confident individuals. Um, but we're not competing with one another. Our skills are so different that anyone who works with us would be able to see that, that there isn't confusion therefore actually as well as to who to go for, for, for what reason. Um, and I think, you know, the board have come around to it. The board think it's amazing. Mm. They love it. Genius idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so do you want to add coaching? Because some people say, okay, so, mm. okay, I don't know myself and I, d- I have no idea what they're talking about in terms of shadow sides. Mm. Yes, yes. So, I mean, I, I had the most incredible coach for about a year. I worked with her and that was the bit, that was the revelation. So I'd done various things in my corporate career around Myers-Briggs and your insight colors and all of those sorts of things. And, you know, I thought I probably knew myself, but actually none of that supports you in really reflecting on who you are and how you make decisions and what happens mm-hmm. when you're, you know, things are tough and you've got out of bed and it's just the worst day and, you know, something goes wrong and it triggers you and you don't know why you respond in the way you respond. And actually working with a coach to kind of just unpick some of those things was so inspirational that it it changed my outlook um changed my outlook changed my understanding and gave me I guess a narrative to kind of correct myself so that I knew what was going on in my head before anything else did necessarily so that was that was hugely supportive and she then supported us on the journey of going on that co mm. co CEO um journey and she was the one that sat us down and sort of she didn't actually say anything to be fair I don't think but she, and she was there and she to offered to be a mediator yes, as well so yeah. she said you know yeah. if, yeah. if you ever need someone to sort of work things out right that's the process so that yeah. you know there was a process that we could go through and we shared that with the board too and we've never needed her mm. we've never had an argument but it sounds quite interesting with what I've seen with anything strategies visions when you write them down and you come back to them, actually you use them. You don't do the workshop and then put them in draw. You actually have a starting point for any conflict, any diversion, 
any bad day, that's where you start in a way. What do we actually agree? The constitution yeah. of the organization. Yeah. How does that trickles down? Because it seems like you're very aligned. How do you then use that to trickle that down to, because I guess the team has to go and deliver that. Yeah. So it's it's a journey. So when we started as co-CEOs, the team was really small. So we were at sort of six-ish yeah. people. Um, those people then became our senior leadership team. So in reality, it was us as co's with senior leaders. Um, and we were delivering everything. So mm. in the detail of everything. Um, the way that we came up with changing the way the world sees water was that we worked with uh, an agency, but it was us two. Mm. Um, and so we put a lot of the energy and the brain space and the power into coming up with the the plan and then seeded it with the team, got their insight. We told them what was going on, but ultimately the decision of where next was us. Um, the same with the Go Big plan. It was us thinking, you know, how do we go from A to B, but still quite contained full discussions but still quite contained where we are now at a team of 25 is that we didn't start the strategic process this year the senior leadership team did with their teams mm. so you know we know where we're going over 10 years we know what the headline numbers are how does this come together within your own teams they then fed that up to us um you know as an organization we have a debate we have a conversation uh, and then we finalize it and take it to the board. So each year, basically, the power is distributed. Mm. If Charlotte and I have to keep doing it, then we've got the model very, very wrong. Mm. We also layer it into things like our impact report, for mm. example. So, you know, that features our DNA. So it's written there and it's, you know, it's referenced for, for the world to see. It's not, you know, it's not something that sits on a meeting room wall that is never, never actually used. Our four-piece framework is in our impact report. Mm. It sits in people's objectives. The document that we write the strategy up on is the same document that we've used for a few years now. So everything is sort of layered in so that subliminally everyone is thinking about it without even knowing they're thinking about it. So it isn't something that is a guarded secret that's hidden away. It's really integral to everything people are doing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. I I would add as well, I remember, you know, early on in my career, um, you'd see the the leadership in meeting rooms um hacking away stuff. And it was always like, well, they do all of the thinking and then we do all of the work. Georgie's in the room at the moment. I would hope it doesn't feel like that. It's it's an open conversation. Strategy lives with everyone in the business. Good ideas lives with everyone in the business. Um, and we have a clear timeline around when these decisions need to be formalised into something that needs to go to the board along with uh, a budget. Uh, but again, it goes back to the way we lead the idea of the single person with all of these great ideas leading this business in a superb way is just completely outdated. Mm. Your talent is your talent for a reason. They're there to drive the business forward in different ways based on their roles, but that's what they're there to do. And so both of us try to, I hope more than try, we focus on nurturing that so we can be CEOs because for a long time, because we've been so much in the detail and, and in the weeds, you know, before Georgie joined, I was doing social media. Mm. Um, so, you know, in the weeds of stuff, Charlotte's still sourcing bottles. Um, 
we're better co we're better CEOs and we're better co CEOs when we get to come out of that detail when we're not in the weeds and we can think long term. So we can think beyond the twelve months and start saying, okay, well, if if the goal is that in five years, what do we need to be doing today? Mm. Yeah, and I guess that's super powerful because that's what often is the biggest challenge. Yeah. What is the twenty percent that give eighty percent here and now? Exactly. If um. If I was sitting out and listening to this conversation, I think this is super interesting. I would like to have a partner on my journey. I want to have some of that rocket fuel you discovered. What is the the one thing that I need to do from a starting point? There's probably multiple things. And as I can hear, there is some you need to find your own recipe in a way, but there's some some corners to cover. But what is the one thing I should start with? I think you need to know yourself. And you need to be really clear on what what would give you that superpower. So what's the gap in your skills that you could fill with somebody else's skills? Because I think that's where it works. And I would say focus on someone that you like. Like we like each other as yeah. people. Mm. Um, sometimes you can work with someone because, almost to counter, because you're like, well, they're good at that thing. But do you like them as a person? And if the, if you if it's questionable because you're like, actually that behavior or it, it it will come to a head in some way shape or form, you you really should like each other like a marriage. Mm. It's not everything that that, <laughs> we, but yeah, uh, you know, we accept people with all of their flaws, but you you want to be able to want to hang out with that person because at that moment when your back's against the wall, that's the person that you're standing there with. We we're, we're the two that go into the board meeting. Mm. The accountability sits with us. The risk sits with us. The, you know, if anything good, bad happens, you know, it's our necks on the on the line and you, you need to really like that person and, and like and trust that person. Um, what is the, uh, the biggest learning you had on that journey from going from more traditional structure to where you are now, where your co-CEOs, you put you know, I would say permission to operate out in the front line as well in your organization. What has been the biggest learning? Because we all trained in traditional models. No, same, not me. But hmm? You didn't, but I did. I hmm. 100% did. <laughs> so the traditional model just burnt me out. Hmm. I, you know, I didn't. I So, you know, I left big business because I couldn't see a way to have, and at that point I had three really young children, Um I couldn't figure out how to carry on my career mm. and not end up in hospital. So mm. I had got to the point where I knew I couldn't do that. I needed to find a different balance. And this was going, you know, this is going about 10 years. Balance and work-life balance was not mm. was not something you could talk about and it wasn't something you could ask your employer. So for me, I think I was on that journey before I even realized I was on that journey. Mm. And finding Baloo was one part of that. Mm. But actually, I would say I've had more balance, more freedom to think mm. since we've started. And ironically, in the middle of the pandemic of mm. all times, I know <laughs> we're not talking about the pandemic, but mm. it was such a pivotal moment for, for us, both of us, but also for Baloo. Um, you know, in the midst of homeschooling, it was hell. But actually, it was some of our most creative, innovative time. Mm. And some of the most valuable time for getting us to where we are today. Um, 
So I, I think for me, my biggest learning is to trust my gut instinct. And that was something that I spent quite a lot of time working on with my coach because I lost that. And I think big businesses have a way of killing that in you, actually, mm. because it's not your choice quite often. It's coming from the top and that's yeah. what you need to do. Um, and so you forget that you've got a really good gut instinct that is generally on the money. And that for me is now the thing that I always rely on and 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 trust more than even the numbers in front of me sometimes, which for me is quite a, you know, quite an undertaking to to sort of move away from that and say, I can see the numbers, but actually my gut's telling me let's do this. So for me, that's probably been the the biggest learning. Yeah. And I'm um somewhat of a weirdo in that I wanted to be a CEO at 15. And uh for those of you that can't see me, I'm a black woman. And so at 15, making the decision to be a CEO, I realized it was never going to happen if I went down the corporate pathway. So I've always shape-shifted and been in organizations that operated in a very different way mm. or built my own. Um, so I'm a social entrepreneur. I'm a broadcaster. I, you know, there are loads of um, strings to my bow. And I sometimes to call it, um, I'm more, I'm definitely more kumbaya than Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> so it was my kumbaya uh, approach for my career that meant the learnings from a COSIO perspective aren't new because it's the thing that I've been cultivating, apprenticing um, myself in for a long time. I think it's the, I've had co-founders. For me, this is the most secure of those relationships. Um, because, and I, I think it might be just also stage in life. I found the co-founder model um, much more volatile mm. because co-founders, in, in my case, didn't necessarily align on ambition. So my first co-founder left um, after having a child because she was like, I can't, I can't do both. And we were both young, early 20s. Um, my second co-founder, we started the business in Asia and then she wanted to move back to Australia with the kids. And by that point, I had also seven years in running an agency, wanted to, to shapeshift. And I've had other co's where because ambition is different, you don't quite get to where you want to be. Our ambition is exactly the same. Mm. The purpose is exactly the same. And it, so it feels very different. Mm. Super interesting. What is um, what is a uh, one of the you are part of the hospitality industry, and what is the, one of the the big issues you would like to see go away that will make you know your life, but also your customers, the people you are doing impact in the end, much more, you know, better lives in general. The go away, I think, is uh, the interesting part of that because I. You know, Instinctively, I would say any form of imported water, um, but then you get into but just the same go for wine. It's like, well, we we do a great trade in in mm. in UK made wine, um, but I do like a primitivo. Um, so, what's the one thing I think caring? So, going beyond service, going beyond the food on the plate, and looking at your your why as a venue. Go mm. looking at your um, what what else could you do? How else could you show up in the world to have a positive impact on 
people and planet and and if all businesses looked at every aspect of what they were doing and it's hard if you're an operator and you know it's a a small local restaurant but if you've got a procurement team you absolutely should be looking at every aspect of your business and working out how can I make sure it's UK made locally sourced with provenance and then you know pay accordingly because there is a cost implication um, but you look at it in the round. Short supply chains were a godsend during the pandemic when you couldn't get anything. Short supply chains were a godsend post-Brexit. There are benefits. People can see it with provenance of food, mm. but they haven't figured it out in terms of everything else. And I'm, yeah. you know, I'm thinking about the hand soap in the bathroom. Mm. I'm thinking about the products. If you're doing a new fit out, you know, where are your products coming from? Do you need to be buying everything completely brand new? Could it be more sustainable? Just a bit more care and attention to those things. Mm. Um, is there any specific thing that you're very excited about right now? Could be blue on your own journey as leaders. Global, yeah, I think global is quite exciting for us. I mean, it's quite a departure from our. From mm. our yeah, Hong Kong feels far <laughs> away. Well, and it, and it was Hong Kong because they came to us. Mm. They found us in the you mm. know again it, it serendipity in the midst of of um, the lockdown when normally any requests for you know blue going abroad we you know we say we'd love to but really sorry unintended consequences, higher carbon footprint, we just don't do it. But actually we had no incoming inquiries. And so on this occasion, it was also um, a really, really important um, hotel group. Um, so we had two calls, in fact, in quite short, mm. quite, quite short succession. Um, so one was from Swire Group and the other was from Mandarin Oriental. They're not the kind of calls that you don't respond to. And so our, you know, our head of biz dev at the time said, yeah, I'll have an initial conversation. Let me understand what you're trying to do. And and it sort of went from there. And we decided that, you know, what was the worst that could happen? We could trial it and we could see if the Baloo brand resonated beyond the UK. And we'd just go and see, you know, where it took us. And it, you know, it transpires that actually... Their government have brought in a, you know, a, a piece of legislation that means that they are having to reduce their reliance mm. on single use. A lot of what they bring into the country is imported. Actually reducing their carbon footprint, reducing the, the, the way in which they serve water is a huge win for them. So it was just the right time. And, you know, we were just in the right place at that point to say, yes, okay, let's see. And, and it's sort of gone from there. And I think having tested that in quite a you know in quite a small way um we've got about 15 20 customers out there now um some great names um and they want to take us to their other you know their, their other cities so we are now looking at how do we scale that and what does that model look like and we've now put one of our senior leadership team as our global growth director to enable us to have single focus on that. We couldn't do it as a sideline mm -hmm. to the UK business. So the UK is still a huge growth opportunity, but the global bit is is quite exciting because when you look at the number of, of social enterprises who exist beyond the UK, it's mm. really, really small. Mm. So if we could crack that in a way that is sustainable, that delivers impact and that enables those hospitality venues in those cities to do something that is quite groundbreaking in those markets, then that's amazing. 
Um, and it's a, you know, it's uncharted territory for us. So it is quite challenging and the cultural differences are, you know, are, are very, um, very apparent, but they are so keen to work with a, a, a British brand that there is no reason for us not to succeed and not to do it. So it's, it, that probably is our, yeah, our most exciting. And doing um, all of that without exporting. Mm. So, you know, this is a different product set yeah. within the business. Yeah. Um, that also then requires a big servicing element too. And I think that's the big win. Yeah. It's an evolution of of the business model. Yeah. Um, and it's an evolution that has happened during a time when lots of businesses were trying to recover. And going back to the co-CEO bit, I've never been to Hong Kong. I don't deal with anyone in Hong Kong. Charlotte's been twice. Mm. If there was just one of us at that initial stage between um, Claire, who was our was then called um, Director of Business Development, that would have been a big stretch. Mm. But with two brains, as in two brains, I could stay focused on on UK and mm. drinks. And Charlotte and Claire could absolutely get on with that. And even to today, other than from a brand side, I don't get that involved in global at all. I think it's very interesting as well how you talk about scaling the the blueprint and the story, not so much about physical assets mm. you're scaling and moving across resources, which I think is really interesting and also a different way of scaling a business in a way and make huge impact yeah. because you might not be able to sell the same solution, but the purpose Stays is the same, the same mm -hmm. and you can build from there the how and the why in principle. If um, just a quick question to both of you, I would love to hear, because now we talked a lot about the role of co-CEOs and how that impacts the business and how it makes the business deliver on a very high level. But what is your like personal hacks for, you know, getting out of bed? We talked about that and actually, you know, wire yourself, set yourself up for success every day. You know, maybe start with you, Charlotte. Oh, personal <laughs> hacks, good Lord. Um, Three kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get you good out. diary management. <laughs> um I mean, I've always, I'm, I, I guess my my strength is my organisation. So I've always been mm. very able to juggle a lot of different things. Mm. So for me, it's about having a method to manage the chaos within my life that the three children bring me, as well as the joy, um, and being really focused on what I need to achieve in any given day. Or mm. um, And also giving myself time and, and I schedule time to have thinking time so that actually I can then think more long term because there is a risk, especially because I quite like the detail, that I end up back in mm. the weeds of the business when I don't need to be in the weeds of the business so much. And whilst it's good to kind of occasionally deep dive and, you know, and make sure that you're still on the pulse, actually the real value that I can bring is looking beyond the, you know, the next year to the next two, three, four, five years. Um, so making sure that I do that, not necessarily on a weekly basis these days, but, you know, monthly, some time to think to make sure that we are still focused on that go big plan for me is really, really critical. And that all comes down to organization and my time and choosing, you know, where I spend my mm. time. Yeah. The 20% they give 80. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah. Natalie. And the same, um, I'm a, a juggler, um, I'm currently running as an independent candidate for Mayor of London, mm -hmm. in addition to uh, the day job, day job, again, only possible with a co. Um, and the thing that means that 
I can process and get through tasks is really being able to take that helicopter view and say, in five years, what does this look like? And make the right decisions quickly to then enable other people to get on with stuff. Um, so the dynamic for a long time between Charlotte and I was uh, me asking Charlotte, mm, you know, do you want to listen to this podcast or do you want to have you know read of this thing just to step out of the day to day? And now Charlotte's suggesting podcasts and things to read to me. Love it. Yeah. Um, but also putting things in place. So Charlotte being you know, completely into and delivering all of the finance to say, okay, we need to start scaffolding your way out of finance. Mm. Um, and that if it was just if Charlotte was just CEO by herself, you'd probably just hold on to it because it's it's easier. But someone else saying, you really should be able to look at from a helicopter view now. Um, how do we do that? How do we factor it into the budget? Um, and that is that is the joy of being a CEO when you can say, this is the thing I'm trying to build. Let me look at the plans again just to make sure that you know the house is going up in the right way. That that's the magic ingredient that only the CEO has. And that's what a CEO should be bringing when you are doing the functional things. You're not the CEO. Mm. That's the reality. And that's the reality when, when you know, a lot of co-founders um, struggle with. You're not leading your business. You're not getting yourself to a place of success because you're not able to say, is this a thing? Am I creating the thing that I wanted to create when I had that vision five mm. years ago? And now we can both do that and and do it quickly as well. You know, this isn't some navel gazing for days. We, we don't have that level of time. <laughs> um, but being able to do it, the inspiration comes. And so being inspired every week to come to work is such a blessing. Mm. What is the last top advice you would like to give people out there, leaders, that is trying to build a business as a force for good? It has to be good. Mm -hmm. So don't 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 do it because it's trendy. Mm. Don't do it because you think it's the fastest way to a quick buck. Um, because I'm feeling slightly shady. If I get if I see another drinks brand set up by some bros in banking to that give two P to a charity, um, I'm gonna lose my mind. Um, because it's not authentic. Really care about the good really build something that you personally believe is a thing that needs to be changed in the world. Mm. And when you're doing that, you will make the right decisions and you will grow your purpose authentically versus it always being an add-on and then trying to juggle the money around and then not deliver your impact or purpose. Mm-hmm. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> you aligned on it, yeah. Yes, yes. I I think there's a lot of people that, um, that that talk the talk, mm. but don't follow through honestly. And mm. I think that's um, you know, a huge frustration. And you know, purpose has become a bit of a buzzword. Mm. And I think people feel the need to justify their policies quite often in, you know, their CSR policy, the ESGs, whatever they're trying to work, you know, to, to, to deliver. Um, but sometimes they don't have that integrity. Mm. And I think that's the piece that is really misleading the general public. 
Um, and I think that's the dishonesty that that's in the marketplace at the moment. And I think it's really it's really hard to to rise above that. So I think you have to be doing it for the right reasons. And I think if you are doing it for the right reasons, it can be hugely rewarding personally. But also, I think when you then think about the legacy that you could leave with a successful business based on purpose, that's the bit that I find really exciting. Hmm. Today, I chose not to rise above it. Mm. <laughs> Very well done. Um, where can people find out more about Baloo? Maybe connect with you two if they. I could imagine somebody have, would have questions about how you get the co-CEO thing working, which I think is super interesting and probably the way forward, um, because else there will be, as you said, you burnout burn out yeah. too much of it because complexity and speed are only increasing. Yeah. So where's the best place to connect? Well, probably um, for me, it's probably on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't do social media particularly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And our website obviously has all the details. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, blue.org and then the same for me, Uh, LinkedIn. If you want to get the backstory to anything that we said, go to the website and look at Impact Report. And then that will take you on a visual journey. And we've got all of our past impact reports. Our purpose P&L is in there. Every part of Blue is transparency. You'll be able to find most of it on the website. Great. Thank you so much for coming to both of you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. It's a great question. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate it or give it a review or subscribe to one of our channels because all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading books is key to become a great leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the books that have impacted the guests here on the show and myself over the years. Find it on Hospitality Mavericks website, hospitalitymavericks.com, under the reading list. A big thank you to BizTemply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their social at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at simply.com. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or my email, michael at hospitalitymaverick.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show. Be Maverick!